This is Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup on New York Red Bulls Radio at TuneIn, Backheel.com, iTunes, and Stitcher. Here are your hosts, Mark Fishkin and Eric Giacometti. It is a rainy Monday night in the New York, New Jersey area, and you are listening to Seeing Red's live 250th episode. It goes without saying that way back in 2010, Dave Martinez and I had no idea that we would be here six-plus seasons in, bringing you every week Red Bulls news, interviews, and fan interaction. And we are so happy that you have stuck with us through all of these episodes. There are great ways to take part in our show tonight. The first is to use the hashtag, if you're on Twitter, SR250, and let us know what you're thinking about. The second is to call in and take part in the show, because after all, you are the guest of our show. And the number to call to talk to us live is 347-830-7269. Now, we know that you guys have a lot to talk about when it comes to Red Bulls. Um, You guys are very, very focused on the start the team has done this year. Um, The very, very strange match up in Foxborough this past weekend. And what's to come as New York gets ready to face Sporting Kansas City on uh, April 9th at Red Bull Arena. Before we get going with your calls, though, however, we are very very pleased to have with us the general manager of the New York Red Bulls, Mark de Grandpre. On January 14th of this year, Mark was named the 2015 MLS Executive of the Year, and we're very, very pleased to have, uh, I think for the third or fourth time on Seeing Red, that's Mark de Grandpre. How are you tonight, Mark? Very good, Mark. Thank you very much for having me on, and congratulations on your 250th uh, show. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, it, it's uh, impressive, and thank you so much for the support that the whole Red Bull organization has in the show, because we wouldn't be where we are without everything that you do. I want to start uh, by talking to you about Autism Awareness Night. This is the second annual Autism Awareness Night that, that you folks have had at the Red Bulls, uh, which is coming up this Saturday. Mm-hmm. Talk to us a little bit about the genesis of the event and what can fans expect. Well, I think as, as you know, Mark, you know, it's a, it's a cause that's very near and dear to our hearts as an organization. And, uh, for me as a, as a family, like my daughter is, um, on the spectrum and has been uh, challenged with that disorder for, for since her birth. And, uh, when I came back to the team, I realized that there was a, a special bond between Julia, the players, the front office and the entire family, right? And we, we continually talk about being one family at the Red Bulls now. And um, Julia has sort of been, uh, I want to say, a, a ray of sunshine. When she shows up, she makes people smile. Um, and she has a way about her that always fo- helps folks realize that their day may not be as bad as they think it is. And Christina, who runs our community relations at the time, thought it may be... Um, appropriate for us to support autism in April last year. And we did it. We cooked up something uh, pretty quickly and it was pretty successful. And from that we've built on it. And this year we expect to have a great event at Red Bull arena this coming Saturday. We've really, what we've really focused on is not just raising awareness for the cause, but really providing an environment for the families who are affected by this disorder, an environment where they can come in and feel uh, comfortable 
Uh, so all our staff from our security staff, our ushers, our food and beverage partners, and obviously our front office staff have been trained on how to communicate with families and children who are on the spectrum. And we've, uh, we're going to make sure that the PA system is at a lower level across the entire duration of the match. We have a quiet zone where kids can go with their families. If it gets overwhelming, because obviously we know our crowd is very energetic and passionate, so sure. it may get overwhelming for some kids. So we'll be able; these families will be able to take their kids in this area and hopefully decompress. Um, and ultimately, the goal here is to provide these families with a little bit of normalcy, come and enjoy a match, and really help raise awareness for a cause that is really, um, you know, the numbers are staggering and the growth of uh, the reach of this disorder is just uh, growing every year. And we have to make sure that people are aware that it's affecting many families. Um, and we just want to help in, in raising awareness for the cause. It's a, it's a fantastic cause, and we've certainly seen members of the team all get behind and support. Um, talk to us a little bit about what, what the second year of this program is going to be and perhaps maybe how you're going to build on what you started last year. Yeah, I think this year what we've done as an organization, we've really tried to connect all the dots, it's not only from you know driving um, ticket sales through our website, uh, and if folks enter the uh, autism 2016 promo code, we'll generate, uh, pr- we'll, we'll donate part of our proceeds to Autism Speaks. But we've incorporated our partners, Audi, Bayer, Horizon Blue Cross, Hackensack. They've all reached out to their networks and they've all stepped up to the plate and really uh, provided big support for the match. So it's been a sort of a holistic approach throughout the entire organization. As, as you've seen, the team has been very involved. Uh, from Jesse, Ali, and the entire coaching staff and the players. Um, and it's truly something we can all rally behind, and we hope to build on it every year. You know, we're making some strides this year in terms of generating um, awareness, uh, generating some revenues for Autism Speak, and we want to just keep pushing the bar forward so there can be more uh, awareness and ultimately more research into uh, what causes this disorder, and hopefully we can help someday find a cure for this disorder. So. Uh, it's a long-term play for us, and we think uh, you know we have to do our part, and I have to do my part and use the platform we have to raise awareness. Fantastic! It's the it's the one night of the year I guess Red Bull fans won't mind being blue. I would imagine. Yeah, hopefully they won't. And I'm really, you know, I'm really. It's touching to see our fans support it, and really our supporters who are going to have. Um, I'm told they're going to have a special TIFO this coming Saturday the engagement and sort of the support that we're getting from our fans, our community uh, really speaks volumes to the passion and all of us being all in and being together in this project, you know, of pushing awareness forward and all, you know, supporting the Red Bulls in whatever we do. So we're excited to see our fans come out in in big numbers Saturday. And, you know, we have to get three points. uh, (laughs) We have to get some wins here pretty quickly. Absolutely. So if you haven't purchased your tickets yet, the code is AUTISM16, I believe? Autism 2016. Autism 2016. If you go to com, you will find it. And uh, if you have friends who have never been out, it's the perfect opportunity to come out, um, buy a ticket with that promo code, and, you know, uh, some of the proceeds will go to Autism Speak. And you'll come and experience the greatest arena in MLS and pro sports in, uh, the, in the New York area. So it's a win-win situation for everyone. 
That that's great, Mark. So we did have some other questions we wanted to ask you before we let you go and bring on our our fans uh, callers. You've been quoted as noting um, the growth in season ticket sales year over year. Mm-hmm. However, I, th- I think we've all kind of seen, at least with the first two home games, uh, more than a few no-shows this season. What is the team doing and what can you do to bring more folks into the arena, especially ticket holders that may decide uh, that they're not going to attend that particular week? Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a great question. And listen, our first two matches this year um, – we're way ahead of, you know, last year our, when we played our first game, um, we had, had two extra weeks to sell that game. So this year we were right at the beginning of, of March. So um, we lost two weeks of the uh, sale period. And our season ticket holders, I can tell you that their show rate this year is much better than the prior year. So I think the engagement is there and the folks who jumped on board this season have come up in good numbers. Um, the first two matches, I can tell you, were all-time highs in terms of revenue, ticket revenue for Red Bull since the opening of the building. Uh, highest average ticket price um, and top three in paid attendance since our inaugural season. And as you know, we've, we've offered our season ticket holders the flexibility to opt out of matches and opt into other matches during the season, right up to seven matches. And I can tell you that our second match, we had a lot of folks who opted out. And if those folks had stayed on board for that match, I think we would have set a record for an all-time high in terms of ticket paid at the arena since we opened the doors. So it was the first two matches, both in March, and we all know March is a challenging month for us. Um, And, you know, we look long-term for looking ahead, and we're pretty confident that um, more folks are going to come out as the season progresses and the weather hopefully brightens up for everyone. But we're pretty excited about what we've done over the first few matches. Sounds good. I know uh, my co-host Eric Giacometti is on the line. Eric, you, uh, you have a question for Mark? Yeah, hi, Mark. Uh, just uh, quickly, just as we're talking about you know the in-stadium experience, I know one of those initiatives that you talked about at the town hall was the, the app to kind of help up the concessions mm-hmm. and, and make that easier. How has that been going, and do you have any other improvements that uh, fans should know about? Thanks, Eric. Um, good question. Yeah, the Appetize app has been growing uh, slowly, probably not gaining as much traction as we would want to, but it's grown a lot enough that we're going to start adding locations around the concourse where you can go and pick up your orders from. So we, uh, we have a pickup location on the east concourse, and we're adding another location on the north concourse. Uh, as we see the app usage growing, we'll obviously adjust and add more locations as the usage grows over time. Um, so we're pretty happy with what's going on. The feedback we're getting from our fans is very positive. So we've just got to drive awareness that it's available and help find our, our fans uh, find the app and download it and use it. Uh, so hopefully we'll do that and uh, we'll adjust in terms of pickup locations as the demand grows. The other steps we're doing, we know, we know that our fans are really tech savvy and we have to make sure that we provide them a, a reliable Wi-Fi network. Right now, Wi-Fi is available on our plaza level, which is not acceptable, right? We need to have it throughout the stadium. So we've we've launched a conversion project to make sure that uh, over the course of the season, we'll have a, a Wi-Fi available in all areas of the stadium. And we're also going to add beacon technology at some point during the season, probably the latter part of the season, because this has to be tested before we unveil it which will allow guests to know where the, what the wait times are for each uh, bathroom and concession stand. So we think that's going to add a lot of value for our fans. Um, 
And we're also going to add uh, closed captioning on our fascia boards to provide a better experience for those who are deaf and hearing impaired in our fan community. Mark, I just want to remind our, our listeners um, to get on the call line right now. You can call in to 347-830-7269 and speak to us on Seeing Red Live in a few minutes. Um, Mark, at the town hall, you had mentioned more about visibility through advertising that the team was going to be taking mm-hmm. part in. Is that still planned? And, and when can fans expect to start seeing uh, Red Bull ads out in the major market? Definitely still planned, uh, Mark. We, you know, we started, I'd say, um, on a conservative basis at the beginning of the season for our home opener. Um, you'll see some spikes in May, June, leading into the summer and another spike in the fall when we were leading into our run into the playoffs. But we have plans to be doing a lot more print advertising, as I mentioned. You're going to see us in the Daily News, the Wall Street Journal, I believe, this week, the Star-Ledger, the Bergen Record, AM New York, and Newsday on a much more consistent basis here leading into the summer and the fall. Um, I think this week alone we'll have a couple of ads or three ads in the Bergen Record and one in the Wall Street Journal. And then when you shift onto radio advertising, we're, I think we've already seen an increase in our, our um, frequency there. We're going to have over, I'd say, a 1,000 spots over the coming months here split between top New York metro area stations. Right? If you look at ESPN, ESPN Deportes, the fan, um, our fans have heard us. We've gotten some good feedback, so we're going to continually increase our frequency on, on radio. And when we talk about uh, television, obviously MSG has been running a good number of ads and we're working with different cable networks to um, flight some of our message throughout the season. And digital advertising has been a focus. It's going to continue to be a focus and you're going to see more of that. You're going to see it also in office digital advertising in terms of the advertising in elevators. We've uh, partnered with some providers there, so you'll see more of that. Um, and when we talk digital, we're focused obviously on the SPN, New York Post, Daily News, Bleacher Report, NewJersey.com. And I can tell you the early returns here after our first few home matches, you know, we're seeing some really positive numbers on digital advertising actually leading to sales. So that's, that's a positive. And then if you shift out of home, um, we've picked off a few billboards here and there in the New, New York, New Jersey area. You're going to see more of that planned, uh, as I talked about in May and June and in September. Transit advertising, which we think is really important because of the access to our stadium, obviously through the path. Um, we're going to focus on the path in the area. New York waterways also, just to raise awareness of where we are. And we're going to work on terminal screens and all the major uh, transportation hubs in the New York, New Jersey area. And digital billboards will follow. And as you've seen us continually through social media, um, what we've done has been engaging. Last year we set records there and we're, you know, the platforms are seeing 25% increases in terms of engagement. So we're, we're pretty excited about where we're going, but you haven't seen the full, full on deployment of the plan. We, you've just seen bits and pieces now, and you'll see a concentrated effort coming into May, June, and leading into September. Mark, you touched on a little bit there with the uh, MSG network and that cable uh, TV mm-hmm. channel. With, with, I believe there were plans for a, a weekly or rather a monthly show. Uh, for you know, Red Bull's base kind of a magazine show. Is that still in the works? Is that anything uh, updated there? Yeah, it's definitely in the works. So listen, the original plan was to have it our first show, the Red Bull's Insider, air on MSG 
around 413 or 416. But with the NHL playoffs coming, we knew we weren't going to be on the MSG network and we were probably going to get a time slot that, you know, we weren't too happy about. So we're going to move our the premiere to May 18th following our match against the fire. Um, and it's going to have some, you know, obviously we're going to look back on where the season has been. It's going to be talk about the team leadership roundtable. We're going to do some rookie spotlight for the show, community outreach update. Uh, and the plan is still to have seven to eight episodes during the regular season. And hopefully we'll push for more as uh, the content comes in. But we're still planned, and we just shifted the schedule because we didn't like the premiere on 4.13 or 4.16. We didn't like where we were going to land on our time slot, so we're going to move it to uh, the 18th after our match to make sure we get a lot of folks watching. It's been a pleasure speaking with Marta Grandpre, the general manager of the New York Red Bulls and the 2015 Executive of the Year in Major League Soccer. Mark, fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. Best of luck this Saturday night with Autism Awareness Night, and uh, we're hoping for a victory. Thank you, Mark, and Dave, for everything you do, Eric, as well. Uh, we really appreciate it, and uh, we love to see the support. And uh, Saturday, hopefully, we'll put it together and get three points. Fantastic. Thanks so much. You are listening to Seeing Red Live, our 250th episode. Eric, you tell the story about how when this show started, you know, you were still in diapers and was actually listening to the show, <laughs> and now you're a host or something like that. Something like that. No, but uh, it's funny. I was actually just having this conversation about the fact that it's ridiculous that this show's been around for so long. And yeah, I, I was just like, you know, the fans that we have that listen to the show every week just looking for Red Bull's news. I remember uh, – lining it up so that I would coincide with my walks to class so I could uh, get my Red Bulls news whenever I could. And it's it's crazy that we've come this far and uh, just really happy to be a part of it, obviously. Well, I'm certainly happy you're a part of it. And we'd like you to be a part of tonight's show. Tonight's show for the rest of the night is literally Red Bulls Talk Radio. Live for you. Here is the number. 347-830-8255. Two six nine. The show will work when you call in to talk Red Bulls with us. Let's turn it back, Eric. Let's turn back the clock a little bit to Friday night. Uh, Friday night, a, a very sparsely attended game up in Foxborough. New York does not traditionally do very well in Foxborough with, I think, one win there since 2007. Um, again, New York looked like to be the aggressor and had the better of the play again scoreless through halftime and then things went horribly wrong yeah it's kind of the, the formula we've seen uh, a couple times already where the, they went into the break nil nil you're thinking okay maybe they they weathered an early storm maybe they'll be able to snatch one on the break or what have you and then as you said it all fell apart with just really that one play it completely decided uh the match in that one you hate to see it when it's something so controversial and it's been talked about at length between you know the MLS league site we've had people calling for referees to you know have more scrutiny under whether they're making the right calls too many red cards uh we saw Felipe being sent off and obviously Kamar Lawrence injured leaving the guy on side and Fagundes ends up hurting them and scoring it's it's tough to see it go down that way and the players were really pretty upset about it afterwards because it really did come down to just that one play and it ends up deciding the game. So a bit unfortunate. I think it was one of the Red Bulls' better performances of the year, to be honest. But again, the lack of goal scoring is a bit concerning. The fact that they've already been shut out three times through four games, and all of last year they were shut out just twice. So it's something they're definitely going to have to correct moving forward. 
They're definitely going to be have to correct it. And you know, when we talk about the Geiger show, and the Geiger show is something that I think is a big topic of conversation across the league, and we talked about that, right? Um, you know, it's it's the Red Bulls' ability or the Red Bulls' experience to have you know you have a strange situation where it's a judgment call. The fact that Lawrence is basically keeping. Uh, Fagundes onside, despite the fact that he's lying there and not playing whatsoever, is crazy. We have our first caller, and that's Nick from New Jersey. You're on Seeing Red Live. How are you tonight? I'm wonderful. How are you guys? We're great, and we're so glad you're our first uh, uh, authentic caller to Seeing Red. So <laughs> talk to us tonight about what's going on and your thoughts about the Red Bulls. Uh, well, so for for the first time, probably... I don't really want to talk about the Red Bulls. I just wanted to tell the two of you guys what a wonderful job you do and how much we love seeing Red, because I know you love praise, and Eric has been missing some, some real interesting <laughs> nomenclature on the emails. We have, we have not yet given him amazing, amazing praise, but um, you guys really keep us in the loop on what's going on with the Red Bulls, and that is, that is exceptional. I've listened every week since I became a season ticket holder last year. Well, we, we certainly appreciate the call, and we appreciate you listening and calling in. It's, uh, you know, this this show exists to turn casual fans into fervent fans and fervent fans into season ticket holders, so we really, really appreciate the call. And uh, you have a prediction for, for, for Saturday night at Red Bull Arena? Well, I love to predict 5 nothing wins in our favor. <laughs> um, and uh, and I'd love nothing more than to say, you know, I'm just going to call it that because last week was so disappointing that I, I think we'd do something positive. All right. Well, I think we'll take it. I know the Red Bull fans will take it. Nick, thanks so much for calling in. We really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Have a good one, guys. Have a good one. If you want to talk to us live on Seeing Red, the number to call, once again, 347-830-7269. And when you talk about diehard Red Bulls fans, you have to talk about our friend Julian, who is calling in from London, England. Julian, how are you this morning? Oh, I'm all. How are you? Um, We're doing just great. What's going on, my man? Hi, I've got just listen. I'm, I'm honoured to get in on the show, your 250th show. Been on a few times before. Um, I just wanted to say that there's uh, obviously there's a lot of panic on certain uh, Facebook forums about our lack of goal scoring attitude so far this season. Some uh, some weight's being put on BWP's shoulders. But if you look back at the Jesse era so far and the Pecky era the two years previous. Our goals have come, obviously, BWP and, and Thierry only scored a lot of goals between them, but our goals have come from all over the, uh, all over the park, from different positions. We, you know, our, our better defenders are capable of scoring, and midfielders have certainly been scoring for us. So I think once Bradley pops, pops his cherry, so to speak, I think he'll start getting some goals. But for the time being, I think the goals have got to come from all over, the, uh, all over our, our positions. Um, and I don't think there's any need to panic. Yeah, I mean, it's obvious that Bradley is in a funk. And the one thing that struck me as interesting, and Eric, I'd like your thoughts as well, is he he just simply wasn't getting the ball in places that it was easy for him to turn and go. And um, yes, your goal scorer, you want to be able to deliver him the ball and have him create that chance. But he's just not given being given an inch because uh, the defenses are rightly king on him, but there's got to be a great, a breakthrough soon, Eric, what do you think? 
Yeah, I'd agree with Julian. I think this is a team that's going to rely on a kind of goals by committee. You're not going to have uh, as much as we know Bradley's capable of putting up as as we saw a 27 goal season. Uh, I don't think we're going to see something you know to quite that extent. I think it'll be more evenly spread out like we saw last year, where you're going to have guys like Lloyd, Sam, and Mike Grella, Sasha, Brad, and hopefully when Verone gets healthy, he can chip in. So I, I think once you get those full complement of guys going, and I, I spoke with Jesse about this today. If if he was worried, he's not worried in the least i think there's more concern on the defensive side of things but the goal scoring will come i think it's just a matter of time and i think once once the first couple get going and they get in a little streak i think the floodgates will open and there won't be too much of an issue julian what do you think of the back line woes i'm really curious i, I was just about to ask my next question guys i mean i know is primo lawrence out for the uh, the kansas game because he's popped his knee right I believe he is. I, I spoke with uh, with Jesse today about it. He said he's doubtful for it. He's got a, a knee ligament strain, so it, it's it's not looking good for Kamara on uh, on Saturday. So, so who would we be look, we'd be looking at Salzies and Laid on the two the two uh, the two wing backs, and we'd be looking at uh, Carl. I can't pronounce his French pronunciation. Yes, we met. Yes, we we met at the centre back. Who who could we see slotting in one of the young guys from 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 RB two? It, it could be a litany of players. I mean, if you look at who saw, you know, who played in the game in New England, it was Chris Duval and Carly met that end of the game. That's certainly a possibility. That's right, uh, yeah. You could you could also have maybe Zach Carroll, who uh, who was on the bench for Montreal when Zubar was suspended. So Jesse has a few options. So it, like I said, if, if we're going based on the latest, uh, you know, p- pairing that we saw out in the field, it, it might be Carly met and Chris Duval in the center. Yeah, I, I remember now Duval went to the middle. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I just, one thing I am looking forward to for Saturday's game, despite our, our, our lack of wins so far, we've seen Sean Davis partner Baxi in the middle. If indeed it is going to be Sean Davis who replaces Philippe Papers. I think, um, I just, like Ryan Mira and Connor Lade, I just hope that Sean Davis stays, sticks around with the team and doesn't get tempted by an offer because the kid's got talent and I think he's, he's one for the future for us, you know. Yeah, no, I think he is all in with exactly what's happening with the team and the coach, and he's in a really good place, and I, I would be surprised if he's not in getting the start. Listen, Julian, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. Have a good night, and thanks for calling in to Seeing Red. Thanks, guys. Listen, it's, it's a pleasure and an absolute honor to be part of the Seeing Red family as a listener, and um, you know, I think we, we all agree that the Red Bulls and, and, and all our social media involvement is, is more than just love. I think it's a bit of a cult thing as well. Listen, uh, God bless you, Perry, guys, and keep up the good work. Take care. All right. Thanks. Good night, Julian. You know, when, when the calls come in from the U.K. after midnight, you know you're a hardcore fan. And anyone that knows Julian knows he's got the massive Metro Stars Petke Army tattoo on the back of his neck. So he is all in. Uh, very excited. Hey, I think we've got uh, Matt from New Jersey coming into the show right now. Matt, how you doing tonight? Matt Harmon, how are you? I'm doing good, guys. How are you? Congratulations on uh, a monumental show, 250. It's uh, it's nuts. We really appreciate it. You're in the booth uh, on Friday in New England. Tell us about your <laughs> views of both um, the the non call on on New England's lone goal and then the uh, the phantom red card on Felipe. What what, what were your thoughts? Well, I thought the I thought the uh, Felipe red card was was uh, very disappointing. Um, uh, you know, it was a good, it was a good, I thought 50, 50 challenge. And, um, I guess you could maybe say 
the foul could be warranted because, you know, he did bring the, the cleats up. Um, but I didn't think there was anything malicious in terms of intent or anything like that. Certainly not worthy of a, of a red. I think you could even make a, an argument that it, it wasn't even worth a yellow card. So that obviously was one thing that changed the complexion of the game. And, um, you know, myself and Steve Jolly, who, who called that one for Red Bull Radio, we, we were both kind of of the same thought process. And, yeah, I mean, it is Red Bull's radio, but I do feel like when we call the game, we try to be pretty um, fair and, and unbiased. If we see something one way, whether it's good or bad for New York, we're going we're gonna to say what we really think. Um, so the red card I thought was one thing, and then obviously the goal. You know, I mean, I, I can understand both sides of it from the New England perspective um did you see him did you not i mean you know who who could you really get to give you probably an honest answer there to me the bigger problem with that whole situation was the referee turning and not recognizing that the only reason to play basically is on side side of the first place and continued was you have kamar lawrence sitting there on the ground and i actually retweeted what Mark Geiger had said after the game. I didn't think that was a serious injury. Well, that's, it's not really for you to decide. You have to, you have to be able to make a better determination than that. And, uh, you know, to me, to me, the Red Bulls really got the short end of that stick. Um, obviously because they wound up losing one nothing, but it just changed the whole complexion of the game. And then from there, it was whistle after whistle after whistle. And, um, you saw a sense of frustration, I thought, from New York because I thought on that particular night for, for the most part of play, I would say two-thirds, they were, they were the better team. And I thought that the game plan that Jesse had and the way that the players uh, implemented it on that particular night on a place that they don't usually play well, I, I, I thought was darn near not perfect, but pretty well put in place. And even if you would have walked out with a point out of there, you could have said, okay, we've got this thing kind of headed now in the right direction. Um, and then to have that happen, obviously, really, really disappointing. Yeah, well, we're certainly hoping for a better uh, result on Saturday night. You have any thoughts on a, a cooling uh, Sporting Kansas City without Matt Beasler, who's injured with a concussion coming in? Do you, th- you think, uh, I'm just kind of curious about your thoughts about that match. Well, I, I think anytime you get one of the teams from the West that's been playing as well as they have, you're never you're never quite sure. I was more surprised that they um, had finally dropped on the Real Salt Lake. Not that, not that RSL is a bad team, but I thought that Sporting KC matched up with them pretty well. I was going to be, I, I would have been more more excited if they would have come in as a team that was four and zero because I think New York really would have would have taken that challenge on, and certainly not that they won't with a team that's three and one. But I think it's going to be a tough match. You know, listen, the, the, the West is very good, and KC has already shown early on in the season. And, and if there's one thing we've seen all during the years of MLS, you know, things can change on a dime. Um, because even for New York, they're, they're, they're one win away from being right back on the, above the cut line. And you never know what teams are going to do what during the course of the season and who's going to go into a slump. But I think this is a good KC team. Um, I like how they line up. I think it's an attack, attacking-minded team that has a lot of offensive weapons, which right now you would think, at least on paper, isn't really the strength of the of the Red Bulls because of all their injuries in the back. Matt Harmon, who is the voice of the Red Bulls on Red Bulls Radio, thanks for stopping by seeing Red Live tonight. 
Yeah, no problem, guys. Congratulations on the show. Keep up the good work, and uh, I'll see you on Saturday night. All right. Be well. If you want to speak to us live on Seeing Red Live, it's really easy. Turn on your telephone machine and call 347-830-7269. This is Red Bull's Talk Radio. When you think about the talk radio stations in this here market, you think they're actually talking Red Bulls? I mean, I don't think that happens all too often. In fact, I can guarantee you to get past a screener at WFAN and, uh, or ESPN Radio to talk Red Bulls would, would definitely be a bit of a challenge, but we are here with you till at least 9 o'clock, talking Red Bulls live on Seeing Red's 250th episode here for you. Eric, we, we, we heard from Marta Grand Prix, general manager of the team. He gave a very detailed view on what's to come in terms of advertising for the team. Yeah, I was kind of surprised, actually, but I, I think that's the kind of insight that fans really like to see. I know uh, there's constantly questions floating around on Twitter about you know where this team is heading, especially from you know a financial and logistical standpoint, whether it be marketing or what have you. Uh, so I, I thought it was really good to hear just where it's going. And a little bit of breaking news on Seeing Red, too, uh, finding out that the MSG show that was, that's been talked about before uh, in the beginning of the season, it's going to debut on March 18, uh, sorry, May 18th. So that'll be nice. I think that's something for fans to look forward to. Yeah, absolutely. Talk to us live. Call us. We're here for you at 347-830-7269. We'd love to hear from you. This is uh, this, this, this show exists tonight live to get your thoughts on what's going on with a 1-3 and three Red Bulls team that is out there searching for goals. So we have a uh, – I think we have a caller in the queue. Let's bring him on. Okay. Area code 646, you're on Seeing Red Live. Who's this? Uh, this is Gary Redman. Good evening. From, hey, uh, Gary. How are you? Discussion group. How are you guys doing? We're doing just fine. Uh, what would you like to talk about tonight in Seeing Red Live? Well, well, first of all, on behalf of the group here, over 2,000 members, we want to congratulate you on your 250th show in Seeing Red. You guys are the beacon uh, of everything that we need to know about the team and everything else. And, of course... Naturally, we couldn't get all that information without you. Congratulations to you both. Um, I guess uh, I was I was giving Mark this, uh, a very quiet standing ovation when I was hearing some of the plans that I heard about the, the marketing. Of course, as you know, um, you being a member yourself, Mark, this is the one thing that's been that has been a topic ad nauseum about the marketing and lack of lack of thereof. Uh, for the Red Bulls, especially in the light of the blue team. So hearing that um, pretty much warms the heart, and I was practically giving him a standing ovation, so I, I can't wait to see all that uh, so we'll um, give more of an awareness to the team. Speaking of which, I'm going to make it to a much more broader spectrum. Um, a couple of days ago, I was with the, the New York Cosmos game on Sunday, and I noticed that the, the crowd, um, was pretty light, and that was the same case for our home opener, and a little bit of the same for NYCFC, although nearly 25K showed up. So we know that the game is growing because we hear it on television, we read about it either online or off, but I don't get the sense that the game is growing where, the, where I see more butts in seats. So I'm wondering, my question is, do you feel, um, has the interest of the game in this country, has it, is it 
peaking or has it plateaued? Because I we're not getting the type of crowds that we possibly get compared to, to our folks over in Portland and Seattle and even the sporting Kansas City at home. So my guess, my question is, is what do you feel in your view? What would it take for soccer for this particular area to really meet the big time? Gentlemen, your thoughts. Yeah, well, I'll start. I mean, first of all, kudos for you to going out and seeing the Cosmos. You were uh, among a very small, fervent group of, of fans going out there. And I want to talk about the Cosmos. I mean, listen, they're playing on at Sunday night at 6 o'clock because that's when yeah. Hofstra is giving them use of the arena on a day that it's probably in the low 40s and freezing, and it's the first weekend in April. Um, Until the 20. <laughs> that's right. And so I, I think you'll see certainly – when when baseball, and we know that the Yankees were postponed today, but I think in general, spring attendance uh, until the schools let out uh, can be really, really poor. And, you know, it's interesting. You talk about the blue team. Um, yes, they certainly have a lot of fans there. There's, there has been a significant drop from their first season, and I think a lot of folks are giving NYCFC a pass because it is no longer the shiny new thing. So people are more willing to understand that there's going to be a natural drop in attendance. Um, you know, all these games are televised, right, which uh, on one point is a wonderful thing, but on the other point, when it's in the low 40s and windy, uh, and you're saying, well, should I, should I actually venture out and go to the stadium, or I can just stay at home on my couch and watch the game at home. I think a lot of people in this market are doing that. So I think we certainly haven't plateaued. I think we're going to see a whole lot more in terms of butts and seats as the weather warms. Eric, do you have any thoughts on Gary? Yeah, I, I I definitely agree with you, Mark, in terms of where the fans, you know, the trajectory of fan growth. I definitely don't think we've we've hit you know the saturation point by any means. Uh, even as we talk about NYCFC coming into the market, uh, there was some fear that you know it would kind of cannibalize uh, the Red Bulls fan group and take away fans, and maybe to some extent it did. But all of these fans just kind of came out of the woodwork, and you, obviously you see that their attendance goes out and proves it. So I think it's it's there's definitely a, a hunger for it, and maybe people aren't aware, people don't you know can't be asked to make the trek. But I think there's definitely a want for soccer. I think there are fans that are in the area that maybe it, it takes them a little bit more to get engaged, but there's certainly interest there. Yeah, Gary. Listen, thanks so much. We got a lot of calls to get to tonight, but we definitely appreciate you calling in and seeing. Don't let me stop you. All right, good night, guys. Good night. Thanks. If you want to talk to us live at Seeing Red Live, our 250th episode, give us a shout. Three four seven eight three zero seven two six nine. We have an old friend on the phone, and that is our friend Brent, who is calling in from Manhattan. Brent, how are you tonight? Good. 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 Thanks considering you know the first four games of the season. Well, listen, uh, they did. They have scored a goal a game. They've just scored them all in the same game. So <laughs> yeah, in bunches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. One bunch anyway. What, what's your thoughts yeah, yeah. so far? Um, my thought is that you know, obviously during the off season, you know, we we didn't want to have the turnover that we saw in previous seasons, and so they stood pat and went with the youth movement, which obviously they kind of jettisoned some of the players that weren't up to snuff. But I've always said, I think maybe on Twitter and the infamous Metro fanatic, that um, we needed another central defender to start ahead of Zubar. And I'm glad that we got Bob, but obviously 
that plan is now out the window. But um, I just, I'm a little worried about our defense, and I just, I'm not really secure with starting Carroll or Long or, you know, all those other guys alongside we met. So I'm naturally worried. I mean, I, I think it's it's natural to worry at this juncture when you when you take into consideration, uh, you know, the amount of goals they've conceded through the first four games, and given yeah. the amount of injuries they've had, it's it's kind of staggering. Especially when you look at 2015, where basically everyone was healthy for the majority of the year. I think other than Zubar, there were really no uh, major injuries, and then of course Duval uh, having that that injury that kept him out in from July. Uh, but to have so many injuries early on in the season has really you know debilitated them. But I, I think if you look at the New England game which is typically a tough place for them to play on the road. It's a place they have very little success. And you look at that makeshift back line other than that, that one goal that was, you know, I think we can all chalk it up to being pretty fluky. Uh, they really didn't have yeah. uh, new England didn't have too much to sniff at. And that's, you know, sure. you, you have someone like Chris Duval, who's not a natural center back at all, really held his own. And Jesse Marsh even said, Carly met probably had his best game as a red bull in that game. So he's a player that's also still very young, uh, I think he's, he's, his trajectory is going upwards as well. So uh, sure. I, I do agree with you that there's definitely some cause for concern uh, in the back. But if you, know, if you have Perrinell coming back, he's on the mend. Uh, I see him at training. He's, he's doing a little bit more each and every day. So he's not too far off. If, he could, if they can get him back, uh, get him alongside Gideon Ba, maybe rotating some of these other guys, I think eventually they'll be okay. Yeah, but Eric, though, he's one year older, so I'm not really sure if that, you know, I'd, I'd love Paranel to regain the form of last year prior to that injury at D.C., but, you know, sometimes that year kind of slows a guy down. Yeah, for and sure. And in addition, I mean, last year we saw Zizo make the transition from left mid, right mid to right back at the Montreal game, and we're like, okay, he's kind of cool. It's not bad. He wasn't screwing up tremendously or whatever. This year I can't really say I have the same – you know, I like I like Sal. You know, I remember seeing Sal in the U-20s in 07, yeah. flying down the wing, et cetera. But, you know, what, two knee surgeries later, I don't think he has, like, the sub-4-5 speed that he used to. And yep. some sometimes, I think it was in Montreal or some like, you know, he's kind of hustling, but some plays it doesn't seem like he is as much. And I don't know, I'm not going to say that, you know, cut him or anything, but there's a lot of concerns, not just there. But I am thankful that this weekend we will definitely see Sean Davis get a lot of run, and I want to see it happen. Does it make you feel any better that with a win, New York can pull to second in the East? Uh, or is it, is it more for you about being below the line, or is it more just about figuring it out and playing well and getting on track finally? Well, I think, uh, if I can paraphrase Arnold Schwarzenegger from the uh, Conan the Barbarian, <laughs> I want to lay waste to everybody, and I want to hear the lamentation of the children and women. Of our opponent. Brett from Manhattan, thank you so much for calling in, sir. Thanks, guys. Go Eagles. Oh, dear. Get out of here. Oh, it's always good. Always good. Okay, we have another caller, and that is Josh from New Jersey. He wants to talk about a tactical change. Josh, you're on Seeing Red Live. How you doing? Hey, I'm great. Congratulations, guys, on the um, 250th show. Uh, thank you so much. What do you want to share tonight? Yeah, so, I mean, um, I want to talk about maybe potential tactical change that maybe I want to get your opinion on. Um, you know, we had the, you know, it's been a lack of goal scoring, and uh, you guys talked about it earlier about Brad Ravenhoff's not getting proper service. So I was wondering what you guys thought about possibly swapping Felipe and Sasha question, maybe pushing Felipe a little bit more forward, maybe kind of get him 
in the role of attacking midfielder. I know he played a little bit of that in Montreal, and maybe putting Sasha question back next to Dax more in a more of a natural position he played in, in Belgium. Um, I was wondering what your thoughts about that. Yeah, it's it's an interesting idea, and I, I'm I certainly think that mixing things up when things aren't going terribly well is a, a good thing, with the understanding that you can s- switch things back at a moment's notice. It's interesting, though, and, and we talked about it earlier tonight. They only conceded one goal all night, and it was a really in New England, and it was a really fluky goal. And so, not that I believe that New England is a terribly good team this year. I I, I don't, frankly, but. You know, for me, the issue isn't necessarily, um, you know, stopping goals is generating offense, as you said. I mean, the thing about Sasha is he's got those long legs. He can certainly be creative. I, it, it wouldn't be a negative for me to try it out even for, for 15 minutes in the middle of a half and just see what happens, right? There's absolutely nothing to lose. It'll be curious to see what kind of tactical changes, if any, Jesse puts in. Obviously, he's got some personnel changes to make. Eric, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I mean, when we talk about personnel and, and tactics, I think you go back to preseason, and we, when we learned about the four-two-two-two, I think that's what everybody keyed in on and focused on. But unfortunately, we really haven't got to see that in what we'd expect just because of the injuries and it's been kind of patchwork so it's been more of a focus on just getting healthy guys on the pitch and and stopping the bleeding as opposed to really letting this new formation roll out and see what it can do Uh, i do think that that's an option in terms of uh, felipe and sasha switching i think when the two of them signed at the beginning of 2015 i think that's what most people expected because as you mentioned uh question was a holding midfielder in in belgium with anderlecht and felipe played a little more advanced in montreal at times so uh, I, I think it's an option, but I don't see it as necessarily what would unlock the offense because I don't think possession right now is their problem. They're, they still have that a good rapport in the midfield. I think if anything, they probably need a little bit from more from the wide areas and their wingers to, to start creating more and, and getting better service to Bradley Wright Phillips. And then I think if that happens, they'll start to unlock the attack. Josh, do you have a prediction for Saturday night at Red Bull Arena with Sporting coming in? Uh well, I mean, considering our back line... The voice of optimism, yes. Well, no, I mean, uh, just considering, you know, the back line, I know they did pretty well against New England, but, you know, you have Dom Dwyer coming into town, and, I mean, Red Bulls always tend to do well at home, even though, even against the better teams. I'm going to go, let's, let's, let's just say 3-2, Red Bulls win. All right. Josh, thanks for calling in tonight and seeing Red Live. We appreciate it. No problem, guys. If you want to speak to us live, the number to call us is 347-830-7269. And we are here till 9 o'clock to talk to you all about the New York Red Bulls. 250th episode. Uh, You know, when I think back on 250 episodes, I think about the players that we've spoken with. I think about the amazing story that Luis Robles told us about him being um, on the verge of retiring and becoming a real estate broker because his pregnant wife was on the verge of giving birth with their first kid and they just needed – they just needed to have health insurance. I mean, an amazing story. Anytime Dax McCarty comes on, he obviously has some very, very detailed thoughts about what is going on with this team. Um, 
you know, even guys like Ryan Mara when he, he first came up and his excitement and the excitement about him being on the team and being a local guy and everything he's done. And players like Connor Laid, who always kind of stops by and shares his uh, very candid thoughts about what's going on. Um, yeah, and, and let's not forget about uh, the, the, the big show, which was about a year ago in January when Mike Petke made his first public comments to anyone about his dismissal from the team right here on another Live Seeing Red. So, listen, we appreciate everything that our fans uh, bring us every single week. We'd love to talk to you. We've got about 12 more minutes live. If you're listening now, even if you don't have a mind-bender of a question for us, give us a shout. 347-830-7269. As we've said on previous uh, last week's Seeing Red, New York is, has three games in a row now against very difficult opponents. They have Kansas City at home. They're 3-1, lost their first game uh, against Salt Lake at home last week. Then they go to a rejuvenated, seemingly, San Jose squad on Wednesday. And then they go to, to a also seemingly rejuvenated Colorado Rapids team that I think is surprising everyone in MLS with their kind of play early. And you think about, given the, the challenges and the personnel issues that the Red Bulls have, Eric, how, how many points can Red Bulls fans uh, think about signif- seriously about capturing over this uh, three games in eight-day stretch? It's it's really tough to say. I mean, if you're a Red Bulls fan, I think you're just focused on Saturday and saying we we'll really need three points at home because that's where it all starts. Is they, they've been such a dominant team at home, and you know to see them be, you know, to to drop the first one against Toronto, uh, pretty uncharacteristic considering how strong they've been at home. I don't. They've never lost more than three games at Red Bull Arena in a season, so they already got one in the hole. But I think if they can set the tempo with a nice win over a strong sporting sporting Kansas City team, then you, you never know what happens. If they can get on the road, uh, maybe get someone like Zubar back into the lineup, get some guys healthy, then yeah, I know that it's a grind when you get on the road and have to play these these quick turnarounds. So the West Coast trip is always tricky. Maybe you're hoping for a for a draw in in San Jose, and as you mentioned, Colorado is a is a much improved side. So. It's it's not exactly a gimme, nor nor has it ever really been. I always think back to those July Fourth games in mm-hmm. Colorado, where they it seemed like every other year they're playing there in July Fourth, and it always went bad. Someone like Sana Niasi would, would come and drop a hat trick on him or something like that. So you never know. But I, th- I think that game is actually Jermaine Jones's first game in Colorado, so that That's could just throw a wrench into everything. Yeah, and we know that Dex McCarty will be very, very excited to see Jermaine again. It's amazing when you think about the disparity between the East and the West. Orlando City is looking very sharp coming out of the gate with 2-0-2 record for eight points. And then, as as we said, New York can get, depending obviously on other results, they can get up to second place if things go their way on Saturday night. The West, once again, is showing their dominance. Seven teams with at least seven points, seven teams with winning records. Um, so it, it, it will definitely be a challenge. We've got Rob in New Jersey on the line. who wants to talk about Anatola Bong. How are you tonight, Rob? Hey guys. How's it First going? and foremost, I just want to say, uh, congrats on 250. And, uh, without, you know, without you guys, I don't think a lot of the other Red Bull or MLS podcasts would be alive. You know, I'm thinking of few from 202 Red Bull rant and the list goes on and on. Well, thank you very much. It's very kind. Talk to us about your Anatola Bong uh, theory. Well, you know, I'm just looking at this team, and it's like Bradley Wright Phillips. Um, I'm, it's a bit of a hot take, to be honest. You know, in the four games played, zero goals, zero assists. Uh, he has had seven of 13 shots on target. Um, 
but the team just isn't producing. They seem to be, you know, when they panic, they're playing the long ball technique hasn't been working out for them. And besides a bong, I was wondering if you guys um, were interested in either him or Sean Davis starting uh, Sean Davis, of course, not in place of BWP, but maybe uh, Sasha or Lloyd Sam. But is that something you guys would want to see again? Well, I think Sean Davis is probably going to get the start on Saturday. I mean, I know they're, they might be looking to appeal the red card given out to Felipe, but if, if they don't manage to, to get that overturned, I think Sean Davis is probably the, the obvious option to step into center midfield. He's someone that has uh, experience playing with the first team, and I think he's someone, as previous callers pointed out, someone that's poised to, to break out. Uh, I, I think in any other team, he probably would be a starter, and I, I think it's really going to be his time to to get into the lineup. I know it's very difficult with you know guys like Sasha and Dax and and Felipe in there because they've just been so embedded within this team. But I, I think Sean Davis has a really good opportunity to kind of kind of make a statement on Saturday. Yeah, in a in a like manner though, I think the notion of starting a bong over Bradley, given the fact that strikers tend to be. Um, and I'm not saying this necessarily about Bradley, but players get into funks and they have to work their way out of them. And yes, New York is, I think, a little desperate to get three points at home uh, on, on Saturday night. But I, I, I worry about the damage to Bradley's psyche that pulling him and, and putting him on the bench to start the match might do. Perhaps after a half, maybe having a little bit of a quicker hook to maybe let Abang uh, give it a ride, or even, crazily enough, Brandon Allen, who has three goals in two games for Red Bulls 2, could be very, very interesting to see what he could do as well. So I, I, I think Abang is a great young talent, and I would love to see him continue to mature and get chances with this team. I think starting Bradley on the bench sends a real message that... Um, you know that 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 maybe Bradley might not take the right way. I'm not so sure. But Rob, listen, we thank you so much for your call, and thanks for being a part of Seeing Red 250. Thank you. Have a good one, guys. All right. We've got about eight minutes left, and we'd love to hear from you. Three four seven eight three zero seven two six nine is the number to call to talk to us live on Seeing Red. So again, we talked about you know three games in eight days. I think this is the first of three different times this season that New York will pull this. And it's it's never um, never easy, especially when the last two games are on the road. New York actually had one of the better road records in the league last year. I think they were second best on the league. I think they had something like six road wins and uh, maybe four draws out there. So they certainly can get it done. Um, it'll be exciting. It'll be New York's first trip to a vice stadium in san jose uh i'm have the good fortune of being able to make the trip there'll be a number of people making the trip actually uh this year both to both san jose and then denver on the weekend so it'll be uh certainly an exciting road trip uh eric obviously there are now four players that will uh, be injured and and in different states of recovery Obviously, Kamar is not going to play this weekend. You had mentioned Zubar. What have you heard about the um, the status of both uh, you know, Verone and Ba and how quickly we might see them back in the starting lineup? Well, well, Jesse addressed it today. I think they're a little bit varying degrees on, on, on their return uh, to the pitch. I think Verone is probably the farthest away. Jesse didn't really give a timetable, but it looks like his his timetable is probably the longest in terms of coming back. And then it would probably be Gideon, who's a little bit closer. 
Uh, as we said, Zubar, he's going to be training tomorrow, so that's a good sign that he might be on the pitch. I don't think he'll be ready uh, for Saturday, just because you know we've seen with Ferone rushing players back, it can yep. definitely be pro- problematic and have them right back on the sidelines. So he might miss out on Saturday, but if they're able to get him back in the in the center back core, that obviously takes a lot of pressure off of these inexperienced guys or someone like Chris Duval who's playing out of position. So uh, I think if they can start to get these center backs healthy, I think it'll go a long way to, to shoring up that defense. Absolutely. Five minutes left. Now's the time. You've been anxiously thinking about your uh, very, very uh, pithy comment about the Red Bulls at 347-830-7269. So, Eric, are you making the West Coast trip with the team? Will you be there as well? I will not be there, unfortunately. I'm a little little upset I'm missing out on all the fun, but them's the breaks. Those are the breaks. So I don't think anyone really saw coming into the season all the fanfare, young players, just about everybody coming back. I don't think anybody saw a one and three mark coming out of the gate. And I don't think I've seen, I mean, the first two games, fine, but I don't think I've seen um, two of the stranger games back to back that I think I've ever seen. And we talked about how wild that 4-3 victory was for the Red Bulls. And just to have these two experiences, um, just really kind of odd. Yeah, with a bye week in between, too, you, you wouldn't expect that. But as we said, you know that, that 4-3 game was... was I, wouldn't, I don't want to say fluky, but just the way that, that it turned out when you have amazing goals like Felipe's where he hits like two goal of the week uh, contenders. And then you have a goal like uh, Mike Grell's where he just kind of sticks his foot out and David Horst clears it into his foot and back into the back of the net. And then you have a game where, you know, one play completely defines the, the entire match where the Red Bulls looked pretty solid defensively. Uh, they just they got burned on one play where, you know, maybe Mark Geiger should have blown the whistle. Maybe the refs should have played it out. Uh, plenty of debate still going on about that, but ends up costing them all three points. And they, they still just can't manage to get any uh, any offense going. I know we joked that the Red Bulls are averaging a goal a game, but it, it all came in that Houston game. So uh, to see them get shut out through three games out of four is pretty, uh, you know, I don't know. It's it's pretty remarkable if you ask me. I just I I couldn't have imagined that given how prolific they were last year, being the highest scoring team in the league. Uh, like I said, it's still early. There's still 30 games to play. There's lots of time to turn it around. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily time to you know get the pitchforks out and, and yell for Bradley to, to to be jettisoned or anything like that. I think he's still got plenty of goals left in him, but it's going to start to have to pick up soon. And I think at home on Saturday is a perfect opportunity to do so. Yeah, and again, as we talked about, Bradley uh, from time to time has gone through these funks where he's just not getting the ball in the right place, he's not turning quick enough and uh, generating offense. I mean, this is a guy, again, that has 44 goals over the last two seasons in MLS, and the f- fact that he doesn't have a goal or an assist so far this season is uh, is really nuts. I think we have a caller that is coming onto the line, and this caller will be our last caller of the night. We'd like to thank everyone who's listening to Seeing Red. Whether this is your first episode or your 250th, we certainly want to thank you. The caller is coming through our crack screener as we speak right now and will soon be uh, made available for all of us uh, to get a sense of. So, Eric, before, uh, before we get this, the, the caller on, you have a prediction for Saturday? We all, we all know how, uh, how my predictions go, so... Uh, it, it's it's tough. I, I really I want to I want to call it, call it a win, but 
I, I, I just don't know. I, I'll go one one. I'll I'll sit on the fence and call it another draw. I th- I think they'll they'll manage to get a goal, but it's just been so tough with the with results and you know you just feel like something wonky is going to happen as has been the case in the last couple of games. So I'll call it one one. All right, I'm going to call it a two two draw for New York. I think they're finally going to get the scoring touch going. I think Bradley's finally going to. Uh, give a huge sigh of relief as he's able to, to turn and create a chance into a goal. But uh, again, I mean, we, we, even last year, Jesse had to put a lot of different back lines together in order to, uh, over the course of the season, due to injuries and departures and suspensions and all that good stuff. And it, it'll be fascinating to see what the center back pairing is and, and just how it does. Our caller apparently decided that this was not the right time to share his or her wisdom with the rest of the group. So we will choose to close up shop here on our Seeing Red 250th episode. Uh, we could not be Seeing Red uh, without Trevor Hayward, and Trevor is uh, producing the show and has been a major proponent of Seeing Red for many, many years, and we've enjoyed very much working with him and thank him. We'd like to thank everyone at the New York Red Bulls. We'd like to thank Mark de Grandpre for coming by the general manager of the team and sharing quite a bit of his views on what's going on. We would encourage everyone, if you have not purchased your tickets for Sunday night's game, when you get to the site, use code AUTISM2016, and a portion of the proceeds of your tickets will go uh, to Autism Speaks, which is the number one uh, autism-related charity in the United States. It's a very, very, very worthy charity, and we hope you support it, whether you can make the game on Saturday or not. We'd like to thank folks like Dave Martinez and Nat Baker and Dan Dickinson and Eric Giacometti. Eric, thanks so much for, for this night. This was fun. Yeah, it's, it's always good. I've always, I was always envious uh, when I was just a fan of seeing Red of, of the live shows. I remember one time doing, pulling, pulling what our last caller did, just calling in and being too afraid to have my say. So I kind of get where that's coming from. But uh, honestly, it's, it's been really nice to, uh, to be a co-host of the show. I know I, I've been apart for, uh, for so few of these 250, but it's really nice to see how many awesome fans of the show there are and, and how much it means to people. So it's been really great. Awesome, Eric. Thank you so much. And we'd like to thank you for listening and calling. Episode 251 will be coming at you soon enough. Thank you very much to everyone who called or listened or who has ever called or ever listened. It is an absolute pleasure to bring you this show. For everyone associated with Seeing Red, it's Mark Fishkin saying thank you very much for listening. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening to Seeing Red. Since 2010, your New York Red Bulls podcast. Find us at New York Red Bulls Radio at TuneIn, Backheel.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and SeeingRedNY.com.